welcome back to the Crash the Pond podcast, or, or should I say welcome home? Welcome home to the Crash the Pond podcast. Should, should that be the new intro? I, you're the one that makes that comes up with it, so do whatever feels right welcome to you. Welcome home. I want I want people to feel at home when, when, they, when they tune in. You know, so many podcasts these days are cold and calculating and impersonal. We need to push back on that. Yeah, yeah. We, we definitely have pushed back on that by... Uh... By making uh, Mitch Brown last week answer a question about food, and then just he him going off on oatmeal. What was the other thing? Uh, steak. Which there we go. That's right. Not his finest hour, but that's okay. <laughs> we all we all have our take that no one agrees with. Yeah, well, you have many. It feels no. It feels like we haven't done a pod in a long time because last week was kind of. So focused also a little different. Yeah. A little offbeat. So this week we're going, we're going back to our roots and by roots, I mean, there isn't really a lot going on. We're going to lean heavily into questions and we're going to have fun with it. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting time right now because I feel like last week we kind of timed that on purpose with Mitch being on ahead of the draft, everything like that. Great sparkling water choice, by the way. Kirkland. Um, but we're kind of in the this weird waiting period where it's almost like the calm before the storm, right? Yep. Next week, it's just going to be pure chaos because right now, there's not really a whole lot of, I think, news and or rumors or anything like that that we can really discuss or, or bring up. There's not really a whole lot of actual trades that have happened. I mean, Stanley yeah. Cup final just ended. Congrats to the Vegas Golden Knights. Nice to see Jack Eichel win the cup after all that situation. We haven't actually discussed that. No. So, and nice to see William Carlson um, do that. Oh, yeah, there's the OEL buyout and things like that have happened. But it's kind of more so that this calm before I feel like starting on the weekend, we're just going to get into pure chaos and deals are going to start happening. Um, The draft is obviously next Wednesday, which struck me as odd that it was a Wednesday. But I guess that is something due to the availability of Bridgestone or something like that. That it was it was booked, which is why it's on a Wednesday, as compared to typically yeah. being Friday and Saturday. Um, still sucks. Still sucks that it's a Wednesday, but then free agency opens on July first on a Saturday, so yeah. that's gonna be fun. Next week is gonna be fun. Yeah, all this weight is gonna. There's gonna be a payoff next week. Um, I did want to ask you quickly though. First off, do I expose you real really quickly here? Do whatever you want. Do Do I expose you? Sure. Just what do you want right to, out the gates? What are you going to expose me? So, Oh, wait, wait. I'm giving a shout-out. Olaf is chiming in our Twitch chat. He's at the Blink concert right now in San mm. Diego, and he's in our Twitch chat. Olaf, you are the best. Enjoy the show. Yeah. The concert the concert that I was at for them last Friday was one of the best concerts I think I've ever been to. I feel like I've seen multiple people on my social media channels being at these Blink-182 shows. Yeah. And... The power of nostalgia. Power of nostalgia. Um, I mean, their new albums are also really good. The power of nostalgia. So, the reason we didn't do a show yesterday, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull up a Jake quote, or I'll, I'll paraphrase it. But Jake's, Jake said he went to bed at 11, past 11 p.m. three nights in a row. Yeah, and that he was, he was a little banged up yesterday. I mean, I'll just straight up tell people. Uh, Friday night went to the Blink One Eight Two concert in L.A. Didn't get home till one fifteen. Didn't go to bed till two, and I go to bed at ten thirty to eleven most nights. Yep. And then, having a child, I was only able to sleep in a certain amount. Even my wife took him for a decent amount of the morning, but uh, had to be up by eight ish. And then went to a wedding that was about three hours away on Saturday. Uh, 
Took about four hours to get there. Sorry, two hours to get back, four hours to get there, though. Um, and so went there and back, though. So didn't get home till 11.15 that night. Went to bed past midnight. And oh. then uh, Sunday was Father's Day and had a couple drinks uh, after we put Luke down that night. So woke yeah. up yesterday just feeling like absolute garbage from not sleeping that much and alcohol. So there we go. Yeah. Yeah, you've been on a bender. Does that does that three day stretch qualify as a like adult is, bender? I think that's a parenting bender. You're on a parenting bender. Sega I mean, I did 11. have beers at the concert. I did have drinks at the wedding, but not too much because I was driving home. So just like one beer, uh, and then yeah, Sunday night did. Uh, so yeah, it was was not feeling it yesterday. Got home, took care of Luke, and then legitimately was in bed at nine. Yeah, you 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 did the opposite of what NHL players do in the Stanley Cup final. You, you actually sat one out, and, and we applaud you for that because seeing the injury reports after the Stanley Cup final. Great transition. I'm really proud of that one. I'm not even sure if that was meant to be a transition, but I this is kind of off topic for us, but I'm not convinced that playing with a broken sternum or a torn labrum or I don't think that really helps your team. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, Matthew Kachuk did score a game tying yes. goal with a broken sternum, but anyway, a bit of an aside, but I just, I find that a little like, like we're reaching this kind of point of absurdity with that trend. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Completely agreed. I, I think I get why players want to do, especially when you're in these high profile games, but I think there needs to be more of a conversation from coaches, from management, from things like that of what they can actually give you. And first off, if they're going to harm themselves more in that situation. Yeah. And if that player at, I mean, with broken sternum, I'm going to say 50%, where he's not able to play the last 10 minutes of a game. Yeah. If that's better than icing your 13th forward and having a full lineup and full rotation. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that there just needs to be more conversations held about that because I think there's a lot of glorification, and I get it. You want to... I mean, it is it is impressive that you're willing to play through that. Yes, much pain. and I like, think that that's where it's coming from a good place in that in from that aspect of it. But yeah, I don't think it should be this thing of almost. I, I, what's the one that was? Uh, uh, Gregory Campbell played on a broken leg or whatever, broke well, his Patrice leg and Bergeron finished the had shift. Like a, a punctured yeah. lung. Yeah, yeah. Root twenty in our Twitch chat says a wise man once said, "If you're healthy enough to play, you're healthy enough to be held accountable for your play." Yeah, but at the same time, like that Panthers team in the final was just not. Yeah, that that just wasn't the team that Mm-mm. beat Boston. Um, yeah. So, it, it, I think that the calculus that I really have grown to dislike is when you see people say, "Oh, well, I would rather have player X at sixty percent capacity than player Y at a hundred percent." It's like that's just not how it works. If if you have a broken sternum and you can't dress yourself. I don't know. You you can't put that into like a percentage of health. Like you, yeah. you there's just there's just things you physically cannot do Fair. on the ice. So Fair. anyway, let's get off of that. That's enough. Yeah. That's enough of that bone yeah. to pick. So I didn't want I didn't want to ask you this though. Okay. Just to stick quick on the stick on the Stanley Cup final. One of one of my biggest annoyances this time of year, but that's at least worth discussing a little bit is this idea of the copycat league and how yeah. the, the NHL is a copycat league. And especially because the draft and the cup final are usually close together. You always hear this. Oh, well 
this type of player. You don't see this type of player in the cup final or conversely, you do see this kind of player in the cup final that helps playoff teams. And so when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, first off, are there lessons to be taken away from how they built their roster, the kinds of players that they targeted, but also from a Ducks perspective, do you see the kind of successes and the, the types of strategies that the Golden Knights have used potentially that are, are present on the Ducks now or in their beginning phases on the Ducks now? Is there any kind of, are there any of those cup ingredients on the current Ducks roster? Um, hmm. That's a good question. I haven't really thought about that. I, I think what I go to right away, and this is not necessarily something I think that can be replicated with the Ducks necessarily, because I, I think Vegas was a unique situation for this, but I still think it's something that GMs can learn from, which is not overvaluing the guys on your own team and being in some ways ruthless about it. And I know it sucks. And I know yeah. some people think Vegas got a bad reputation from the way they handled, uh, the way they handled Marc-Andre Fleury, the way they hand handled Nate Schmidt and, and all of that. But, I mean, at this point, how can you argue with what they did? Because they went out and they traded Nate Schmidt so that they could sign Alex Petrangelo. They traded Marc-Andre Fleury so that they could have more cap space. And what do they do with that cap space? They eventually ended up getting Jack Eichel with it. Yeah. Um, like, they have, to a T, been ruthless about it and in – to improve their team yep. and at the end of the day that is what they have cared about the most which is improving their team and they've taken gambles on that with various different things but they have found a way to have success with it and i think one of the most impressive things because i really dislike vegas i, I think that's one of the very early things of this podcast right that first season was not very sustainable for them i mean william carlson was shooting like 25 percent yeah, he, had, um, he had 43 goals that season. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, like it's insane what, what they were able to do and just outperforming. Marc-Andre Fleury was playing over his head, all these different things. And what they did, though, was they took that and realized that there were pieces there. There were good pieces for a bottom six, for a second line, for things like that. And they surrounded them with high-end talent. And so I think not being afraid of going for it is a lesson that you have. Going out and getting a Mark Stone. Right, they traded for Mark Stone. Yeah, Go, using finding a way to make cap space to sign Tra Alex. Trading Petrangelo. a well thought of prospect for for Mark Stone, like Eric Brandstrom at the time was like one of their few D prospects, which now they don't really have any, and like they didn't have any loyalty to Brandstrom basically. And hell, even like trading Nick Suzuki for Max Pacioretty, that didn't work out, but that was still a, a similar but, idea, right? Yeah, and, and that that kind of strategy actually paid off for them and. I think the Ducks are in an interesting position where they have a lot of those guys in their system where I think the Ducks have the best prospect system in the league, but at the same time, they are that many of them are just that prospects and you just don't know how they're going to pan out. And so you don't want to overvalue that either. And, and Vegas, I think Vegas is the extreme kind of other side of not valuing prospects. Yeah. So I, I think if there's a lesson to learn, it's that to not over, not just your prospects, but your roster. Yeah. Don't overvalue your own guys, your own roster. Always be looking to improve your team. Because this was a team that are you was... Saying, are you saying not every team does that? That is the Bob Murray era of this Ducks team. Just, just play better, guys. Doing just, doing things just, on the fringes instead of actually making meaningful changes until basically the Kessler trade. Ricard Raquel and, just, just has to go work on his well, shot in and, Sweden And like the going back to even like the Bobby Ryan trade. 
Like that was a good deal at the time in terms of the value they got back, but at the in terms of the trade that they needed at that time, that was a team entering their contending window and they traded away a very high-end asset for picks and prospects. Yeah, they kind of split players. they kind of split the dollar into four quarters yeah, instead of really I, making their team better. And so that's where I think you you can really take something from Vegas here of really going for it when they have their chance. Yeah. No, I think that's a good that's a good shout. And certainly we won't really see that with Pat Verbeek for, for another few years. Yeah. They're just not in that mode. But there is still an element of that where I mean they were talking about it today on on Sportsnet Radio where, you know, the Ducks can can be patient for another year because there's less pressure in this market. And while yes, that's true you don't want to sit on that forever either. It's this very fine balance of knowing when to take a step forward and also knowing when to be patient. Cause I look at, for example, Detroit last season and I kind of wonder, was it really worth, was it really worth it what they did or was it, or did it just not pan out the way that it could have? I don't know. And the other thing I would push back on that is yes, they're not wrong about the, the media market in terms of not necessarily putting a pressure on it because you and I are two of the more critical people of the team with not to your own horn, but one of the bigger followings that there is. But even that compared to like other teams that are in a bigger market, we have a small following compared to that. And so there's just not a whole lot of change that can necessarily be enacted at times um, with it. And so, and there's just not the same mainstream media pressures also from that perspective. Uh, If we, if we are the most critical voices of the team, (laughs) <laughs> then there's not going to be a whole lot of change because of how, because of that. And so, um, but I think I would, one thing they mentioned, I think that this is a bigger point here is that at the end of the day, the dollars do yeah. speak. And I think that, I think we're starting to hit a point where the team has to at least put a better product on the ice. I think they have to be more competitive. I think that next season they're going to have to be better because if not, attendance is going to start hurting. I mean, I think people forget how long the Ducks have missed the playoffs for. And not saying yeah. it's this massive streak, but it's been five years. Like you this is your fifth it's straight. F- it's it's been five long years. This is the fifth straight top ten pick for this team. Mm-hmm. And you hear so many times, right? We're going into a five year rebuilding window. Yep. And so and, and when Pat Verbeek took the job, he said the Ducks were in the middle of a rebuild. And so where does that put them now? I, that they can't be at this same level next season. And so I think even though there's not the media pressure, five years of not even being in a playoff race really does hurt a fan base in Southern California that yeah. is competing for the entertainment dollars along with, I mean, at certain points in time, the Angels, with the NFL, with college football, with the Kings, with the Lakers, with the Clippers, with, with all these different places that you can spend your money. Yep. And so I think that that is the bigger pressure that's going to be on this team next season is how do they put a better product on the ice to get more people in the stands? Because I think that is something that the team is probably thinking about. Yeah. The, the ducks were 29th in attendance last season. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not going to go back to look at every year, but I figured that that's probably a consistent trend. And I, yeah, like you said, I think that that's the great equalizer is money because Although the Ducks don't have that pressure of a giant media cohort, they, at some point, like the Samuelis probably want to make more money out of this, right? They, they can't just be operating this way forever. I mean, there were so many games last season where it just looked empty 
in the Honda Center. And so, and the numbers bear that out. So we'll see. I, I would say though that there's probably, I think that the ownership and the management group would still probably be okay with one more year of pain. I think one more year of pain is is but like I think the mac- it, is the maximum that they would. But I think the pain accept. the pain has to be the pain can't be like this year. No, 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 no. But by pain, I just mean you know well out of the playoffs, not necessarily not like this year, but missing the playoffs kind of pretty cleanly. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to to touch on though with Vegas and and lessons to be learned is that if you look at what Vegas did in the Cup final. I mean, part of it is that the Panthers were just so decimated by injury. But another part of it is that Vegas was just so suffocating at five on five. They were able to impose their game in all three zones. And and the reason, a big reason why they were able to do that is because they didn't have a weakness in their forward group. They could I mean, roll they, four they lines. They just had depth, yeah. They could roll four lines. And if you look at the kinds of players, like, for example, on their fourth line that were able to not necessarily provide offense, but just control play, control the puck along the wall, you know, big forwards with some skill, with skating ability. You think of like William Carrier, you think of Nick Waugh. And when I look at the Ducks, I mean, Nathan Gauthier to me really kind of fits that mold of a player. You know, we haven't seen him in the NHL yet. We haven't seen him play professional hockey yet. But I think that there is maybe a through line there of these these more size sizey forwards with with some ability with some skating and some skill because at the end of the day the playoffs are just a to me that like saying that a team is built for the playoffs doesn't necessarily mean they're they're a quote-unquote better team it just means it's just an admission that the playoffs are a different game and i think in the playoffs built size attrition of it yeah size and physicality are just more at a premium in the playoffs for better or for worst and if you can bring in a guy like a gauchet or However, the Ducks continue to build out their forwards that can, can that can really dominate play in their minutes in their way, like that that could be an advantage. So, I think that the Ducks right now they're they're really building out the stars of the of the pipeline. They may also have the makings of kind of that depth that depth piece as well. Yep. Uh, anything else that you want to mention from the Cup final or anything from the last week? I mean, really, the only thing that's newsworthy. Uh, since the last time we did a uh, podcast is probably the Oliver Ekman Larson buyout, the uh, Zach Cassian buyout. And there was one more buyout that I'm forgetting from the coyotes. Also one name that I wanted to throw at you. That's okay. been, that's been percolating around in my head. So I think you and I both agree that for the most part, this kind of free agent class and the bigger trade names on the board are not really ducks targets. Like yeah, they either don't fit or they're too expensive. Debrinkat's probably the only one. Yeah, but he's not coming to Anaheim. Probably not. I just don't think he wants to come to Anaheim. No, no, I, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. But I look at a name like Ross Colton, and yeah. <laughs> for some people that listen to our show, that might be the first time they've heard th- that name. I don't know. He's not necessarily a brand name player, but he's 26. He has played well for the Lightning. He's not really, he's a pending RFA. He's not really due this big extension. And if you look at his underlying numbers and some of his tracking data, I think that he's, he's just a kind of a solid player who can give you some offense, who can give you some play driving. And I kind of think to myself, I feel like that's just the kind of player that the, that the ducks need more of slash should be targeting this offseason. is not guys who are going to truly, truly move the needle and be big, you know, big purchases, 
but guys that are just going to make the infrastructure of this team click a little bit better because they just don't have enough they they don't have enough support players, guys who can make well, the lives easier of their stars. Yeah, and that's what we talked about even going into the season we were breaking down the lineup is the bottom 6 was just the big weakness for the team, right? Atrocious. And so I think the top six is just going to improve with the internal development of these players, potentially Greg Cronin also being able to get more out of them, everything like that. And so I think really finding guys to supplement the, those players in the top six and really either play a support role, like you said, on the in the top six or being on the uh, in the bottom six and just providing more valuable minutes than the Ducks were getting from the Derek Grants of the world, the Sam Carricks of the world, things like that. And so I, I think that I think that's a good shout. I haven't necessarily put a whole lot of thought into that. Um, so no, I'm going to trust haven't? that you, you in haven't terms been thinking of, about Ross Colton. I have not. I'm going to assume that you've probably looked up his numbers, though, and probably a good decision based upon that. Yes or no? Yeah. So what, what's interesting is that if you look at his tracking numbers from the yeah. past season, he's not necessarily a guy who's very involved in the defensive zone, which I think in part you would you would kind of like to see that for the Ducks. But really good at providing offense off the cycle. Mm-hmm. He's just a good playmaker in the offensive zone, sets up a lot of shots, and he's able to enter the zone with control. And if you look at his contract projections with Evolving Hockey, his likeliest contract outcome is a four-year deal at $3.3 million, which yeah. maybe for some that seems a little high for a guy who's kind of like a middle six support player, but I've the Ducks have the cap space, I don't think that's a contract that's going to bite them long term. No. And hey, even if you want to take it to five years, four million or six years, four point two, like I, I think that's a guy who you just kind of need more of those guys on this team. They're going to help you now, and they're going to help you later. Like his game isn't the kind of game that's just going to disappear in three years. Like he can play this style for a, for a good little while. Now, of course, outside of that, there aren't really too many other names that perfectly fit this no. description. No. But. I, I think that like I just think the Ducks should really be thinking about Ross Colton. And I mean this was a name that was brought up at the trade deadline. And I don't know how real that was, you know, when uh Frank Cervalli was talking about Isaac Lundestrom to Tampa Bay. But if the Ducks want to revisit that and think about it, I mean, would you would you be interested in a trade like that where you send, let's say, an Isaac Lundestrom and a lower pick for Ross Colton? Assuming uh, that you can get the contract done, of course. Yeah, potentially. The one, th- I'm curious to see what Isaac Lundstrom would be like underneath a new coach. That's the only That's thing. Uh, I, I think just we've seen so much of how his transition game is really good. Yeah, and like we've talked about, it's just once he gets there, he just can't really figure out what to do. Yeah, and, and typically isn't always making the right play consistently. He makes it from time to time, but. A lot of times he's not. Um, And so I think under a new coach, I'd like to see Lundestrom. And Matt in our YouTube chat saying Ross Colton's a free agent, save your cash. I think he's RFA though, right? So yeah, he's not going to break the bank. Yeah. And his rights are with, are with Tampa. So you have to trade for his rights. Yeah. I, the, the save the cash thing. I mean, at a certain point you got to spend to build a team and, and this isn't like you're going out and overpaying for it for a UFA. This is, this is a guy where you have the leverage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, there's Kyler Yamamoto, whose name is out there as well. But I don't know. I'm I'm kind of iffy on Yamamoto because I feel like you're probably not going to have to pay much to get him out of Edmonton just because the, the Oilers kind of seem to have no leverage. But 
I just wonder if the brand name with Yamamoto necessarily matches some of the underlying numbers. So. Yeah. I'm going to apologize to Matt in our YouTube chat. He was talking about responding to another comment that's saying, can we oh. sort of go fund me to buy out Derek Grant? Uh, and he was mentioning <laughs> that he's a free oh. agent. Save your oh, cash. Oh, sorry. 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 My bad. And, uh, and, I should, and I'll apologize to Kyler Yamamoto as well because it's really weird. His tracking numbers aren't really that amazing, but his just overall shot impact. Yep. Like RPM numbers are actually okay. So don't really know how that works, but I, I think he would be an interesting guy to pick up to be in the top six with the Ducks team. The Ducks yeah. just need guys like just guys who you're just taking a flyer on someone who have already shown a little something on another team. Yeah, but looking at the free agent class just overall, there's not really anyone that would be really that interesting for the Ducks. No. Um, I, I mean. Yeah, I mean, definitely not Ekman Larson, who would be a name that would kind of be thrown out to be almost no. like a John Klingberg situation of what they did, but this past year. But no, I would I would stay away from that. I've seen um, Tyler Bertuzzi's name thrown out there. No, he's going to get way too much money at 28 years old. Um, I, I just don't necessarily see a great fit with any of J- the free JT agents. Miller, seven more seasons, eight million AAV. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> You have to pay yeah. a lot to get to have me feel okay about the Ducks taking him. The, um, the combination of the free agents and the trade targets is just not super appealing for, for yeah. the Ducks. I mean, there's there's Pierre-Luc Dubois, whose name is, has been bandied about. I don't think that the Ducks are, no, are, I, are even in on that discussion, but that's a name that we've talked about on this podcast before, at least. Yeah, kinda, but I, I mean, think... I mean, I, he, 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 on the surface... Pierre-Luc Dubois fits all of the kind of parameters, right? Like he's he's younger, you can get him longer term, he can fill this void, but I feel like that just doesn't tell the whole story. The time has also changed. When the Ducks were when we had, were very on board about the Ducks going and getting Pierre-Luc Dubois, Trevor Zegers had not broken into the league yet, right? Yeah. The Ducks I don't think had drafted Mason McTavish. The Ducks <laughs> yeah. had not been set up to get either one of Adam Fantilli or Leo Carlson. And so it's a much different formula right now than it was back then. And so while none of those guys are necessarily guarantees, but they are pretty much locks at this point. I mean, they're not, I just said they're not guarantees, but they're close to that. Well, McTavish and Zegers are locks. I mean, being high end, high end NHLers. Okay. Like continual high end top line centers is where I was going, which is what the argument was for getting Pierre-Luc Dubois back then. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't see anything necessarily in the free agent class. So maybe free agent day won't be that busy. I think the draft is going to be busy for trades. Um, ooh, a yeah. name thrown out there. What do you think of Matt Grizzlick? Further Ducks through that in our Twitch chat. Is he a, is he a UFA? Let's see. Matt. <laughs> Grizz. How is his name spelled like that? I, 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 I don't know. I'm going to assume Ferda knows how to spell it because he's, I think his wife's a Boston fan. I mean, that fan. is. That is correct. Yeah, that is that the is. correct spelling, which is kind of uh, impressive that he got He that. is in the final year of his contract, and then will be a UFA. I doubt Boston would move him. Yeah, I don't really Unless know why. Unless there's something I'm missing there. Unless Boston just doesn't think that they can get him re-signed, and they're just getting out ahead of it. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Any competent NHL defenseman helps the Ducks blue line right now. Yeah. Because, I, because I mean, although, and I, I'm not saying this to feed this kind of you know, Sarah Valley narrative that the that the Ducks blue line is a dumpster. <laughs> they need fire. they need four to sign four or five new defensemen. No, like like that's that's just dumb. Bad take by Frank. Um nothing new though with his takes on the Ducks. But 
my thing with with uh, with with the blue line is that they do need at least I would say one other body because you can't just rely on everyone coming in as rookies and being great right away. Like that's yeah. just it's just not smart. You need at least some insurance, and if like if you can get a Matt Grizzlick on the cheap, then sure maybe. I mean he's got he's got good numbers, which kind of makes sense playing in that Boston system. He's been known as a defensive specialist over the years. He's got some puck moving ability, so. I'm not against it, but I just don't know how what's going on there in Boston. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I think the Ducks are probably going to sign two defensemen, would be my guess. I think Shattenkirk's pretty much a lock to come back. I mean, the Ducks put out something about, like, go to a game with Shattenkirk or something. Yeah. Like, like yeah. <laughs> even though he's unsigned, which makes it almost seem like they are working on a contract extension. That, it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, and so, so I think probably one more defenseman on top of that just for a, additional cover, basically. Ma- Matt Grizzlick is 19th on Daily Faceoff's trade target board. So maybe there's that. So it's basically it's about their cap. Oh, Ferdy Duck. Yeah, I completely miss him. Says Bruins are looking to move him because they have no cap space. Probably yeah. due to signing Pasternak. I mean, the Ducks have. I'm not going to use the term, but the Ducks are in a <laughs> position to help alleviate other teams' cap situations. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, have a quick word from our sponsor, and then somehow we made it 30 minutes uh, without questions. So then we'll get to all the questions. Sound good? Yes. All right. So. If you haven't heard already, it's smooth sack summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're escaped from pubes to bum. That's right this summer. To keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming are making sure we uh, all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive headfirst into smooth sack summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code CTP. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare that summer bod. They have the uh, built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced safe advanced safe uh, advanced Skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. A new multifunction on off switch can engage a travel lock uh, and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof? Beach, lake, or shower. I mean, Felix, you can go to a beach or lake and use this. And this wow. razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Now that you have the perfect haircut, Use Manscaped's liquid formulations to keep that freshness even at the hottest summer barbecues. Most importantly, use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to stay cool in the heat with a soothing aloe vera formula. It's best in the it's the best in the business for below the waist freshness, and this clear drying formula will keep you looking good while smelling good. Uh, Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0: the Manscaped boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Wearing sandals with some nasty toenails during the summer months? Take a look at the Shears 2.0, a luxury nail grooming kit. Uh, This kit includes a stainless steel nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. With the performance package, your balls will be ready to impress, but make sure you cover the rest with the Shears 2.0. So you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. It's smooth sack summer, boys. Get on board or get left behind. Yeah, go check them out. Go help us out. Do it for us. Uh, Do it for us. Yeah. 
Uh, Rooch said, uh, when are you going to do a, Ma- Felix, when are you going to do a Manscaped ad read in French? Uh, I don't think that Manscaped would care for us doing that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think that that would go over well at, at, at Ballsack HQ, so. <laughs> what? Oh, that's, that's below the belt? That's, that's one step too far? Come on. Get out of here with that. Uh, all right let's get to questions i'm I'm being called out for not wearing a giant's hat yeah as i'm wearing an angel's hat as the uh dodgers angels game is ongoing right now i just want to point out that i forgot my giant's hat at work Uh because i i wore a hat because it was very sunny outside so there it is all right let's uh get to these questions uh let's see um all right numero uno adamo fantilli fan our good friend Spencer said, how long before we dub him the Italian Stallion? That's a good name. I feel like he would like that. The more, yeah. I, the, the more I listen to Adam Fantilli talk and the more I watch him play, I feel like this guy is going to be a perfect kind of co-star to Trevor Zegras. Like, like this dude has personality. Yeah. yeah. He plays with flair, and I feel like he would embrace that. So, I mean, I already have my bit lined up if the Ducks take him. What's the and bit? And he scores. When the moon hits the sky like a big pizza pie, that's a Damo. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I'm a fan. Dean Martin, you know, can't yeah. go wrong with Dean Martin. There you go. Um, all right. Shaken Wings had asked us, uh, after listening to uh, Adam Fantilli com- uh, Combine Scouting, uh, the reporter spent four minutes of 12 asking him about Bedard. Do you think he will have a chip on his shoulder about this being a Bedard draft, especially knowing that he is a high compete guy? Hopefully make it makes for some fun games against Chicago. I mean, I, I don't put it past him because there was a, the first half before the world juniors, there was a period in time where there was a, there was a conversation going on about Fantilli versus Bedard. And Mm -hmm. I think you even heard Fantilli at one point, I think it was at the combines basically say that him and Bedard are more of like different players, right? They just, it's more so that they have different styles more than one is better than the other. So I don't think that he sees at least publicly based on his comments I don't think he sees Bedard as this guy who's leagues above him. No. And so, yeah, let's get it going. Fantilli versus Bedard. Will, will that be the new Crosby versus Ovechkin? Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, Lewis X209 said, hello, Newman. Hello, Jerry. And he, in parentheses, said Seinfeld reference, just in case nobody got that. <laughs> You've both probably went over this before, but go over it again if you would be so kind. What got you into hockey? Wow. Wow, we're, we're going deep into the bag here. Yeah. Well, I'll give a two-part answer. The first one is a very simple answer, which is that I'm Canadian. So it's kind of like a birthright. But the second part is that I actually wasn't a hockey fan until I was about 12. My dad bought ESPN NHL 2K5 for Xbox, and I watched him play it. And then I started playing the game, and that got me hooked. And then I, I started watching full-time in 0506 season okay yeah for me it was i grew up going to games uh i think my dad had like a partial season ticket plan when i was a young kid um went to games with i mean salon and korea era things like that it was just really fun time to be a kid um i mean the mighty ducks movie or not the mighty ducks movie um although d2 the mighty ducks i do love the mighty ducks cartoon um was something i absolutely loved it used wow. to be on like Disney, Disney Channel or whatever. Um, 
but really, really fun cartoon that I loved. And then I think, I don't know, early 2000s, I think I kind of fell off a little bit and I think just became more of a baseball guy because of the Angels and 02 and everything like that. And then the lockout happened. It was kind of basically in 05, 06, right before the playoffs. Started watching the games and remember just how much I loved hockey and loved the Ducks. And that 05, 06 run to the conference final really got me hooked again. And so that's kind of, for me, my story about what got me into hockey. Yeah, I just started playing street hockey, and that just got me hooked. Just yeah. had the had the Franklin wooden stick with the, the the plastic blade and the orange ball, and that that was enough. Uh, Dark Darko theory with an interesting question. Noah Hannafin is not extending with the Flames. If he agreed to extend and be traded, or he's a free agent next summer, is twenty six or twenty seven too old for the Ducks' future, or could we bring him in to help kickstart the young defense we are building, especially with his style? I mean, it's it's not a bad question. He's he's he had really solid numbers last season, and if you look at what his next contract could be, I actually don't have that in front of me here. But I'm I'm, I'm working towards it right now. I don't know why this this thing just stopped working. That's helpful. Um, but yeah, Noah Hannafin. I mean, possibly. Don't rule it out. Not not against that that potential move. Eight years, seven point four, is what an extension would probably look like. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I mean, it goes back to what I was saying, though. At some point, you have to pay someone to be on this team that's good. Yeah, I, I think Noah Hannafin's an interesting idea there. I guess the question is, do you trust your guys in your system more than that? And so, yes, yeah. I think that he can help kickstart the young defense that the Ducks are building. But I feel like they kind of have that already in Cam Fowler locked up. Yeah. And so not saying, I mean, I think Hannafin is, I mean, Hannafin's younger. I think Hannafin's better than Fowler is. So I don't know if that's necessarily a comparable there, but they would fill a very similar role in some manner. I would rather save that cap space to take a run at an Austin Matthews, for instance. Yeah. So, or just, or just paying your own guys who you're yeah. eventually going to have to pay. Yeah. So also I'm starting to be convinced Matthews is a leaf. If, well, just based it, on all the rumblings, if you could get Noah Hannafin, maybe instead of eight years, get a five or six year extension. Yeah, I think the contract is very important here. Yeah, if you can if you can get him on a reasonable deal. He's aging well so far. And again, you need some competency on your back end. You don't want to fully rely on your young guys. And I mean, at some point, like Cam Fowler may not be the Cam Fowler we've gotten accustomed to either like that that day is coming we don't yep. know when it'll be so you do need some insurance there so it's it's not the worst move for sure yep all right uh and so yeah for anyone in the youtube or twitch chat we're going through all discord right now and then got a couple other things from twitter and uh a text message one and then text i'll come message. to you guys yes wow. text message is that the uh, first text message no, question no no not really? even close. The same person has sent me text, sent me questions as, through text message before. Someone okay. that used to write with us at Anaheim Calling. Okay. Um, Plant Wrench said, "Who are the top three free agents you'd want the Ducks to sign? Non Ducks are uh, non Ducks free agents." Okay. 
Well, I feel like this is going to overlap with a lot of future They questions. are, because I'm now seeing some stuff in our YouTube. I'll just lump things in as I see them. So in our YouTube chat, Twinkie Boy said, each of you name two D-men and two forward. Do you think we have a signing targets and one trade target, please? Because that popped in and that kind of loops in. So I wish I had spent more time preparing for this question. You know, got to shoot okay. from the hip. Let me, let me try to just throw names out there and we'll, and we'll see how this goes. Jonathan drew in. That was where I was going. How did you, how did you know? Cause it's near the top and just quickly found it. Jonathan drew in. I mean, it really depends on the contract. I'm not the high, I'm not the highest on, on Joe, Joe drew, but I think if you can get him on a cheap deal, he could be a very interesting piece to kind of throw into the ducks top nine. Ryan Graves. Yeah. I mean, that's again, you just, you're, you're going to need some veterans back there. So I wouldn't hate that. What about Thomas? Ryan Ryan Graves has had throughout the years, some pretty good underlying metrics here and there. Um, I think he's moving on from, from New Jersey due to salary cap issues. So I think if you can get him on a somewhat reasonable contract, I think that's an interesting guy to add to the, to this team. So I'll go with him as my as a D man target. Uh, would, sorry, who would you would you go Tomash Tatar? So just to give you an idea of his next deal, this is what Evolving has, which you never know. Like I feel like I don't know how much Evolving factors in, like what that player's market will be, like what the market will be like, right? Because guys tend mm-hmm. to get overpaid depending on su- supply and demand or underpaid, but they have it as his likeliest deal being three. Three times three point eight nine. No, not for a thirty-two year old. Ryan Graves, FY, four years, four point seven. Really, twenty-eight. Three, I don't feel like three years is that crazy. Like he I, has a he has outstanding numbers. Like he, and I he, think I'd be worried about the fall off. I mean, he's got a he's got some room to fall off, and still be a a, a positive for any team. Fair. Maybe I'm sure. Like like if you look at his numbers from last season, it's fair. It's impressive. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I think I would want. I wouldn't want to do three years. I think two years I would be more comfortable with. That's fine. I mean, if you want to do two years, you're gonna, you're gonna have to pay more. But yep, I personally think that it's worth it just because he's again like you need the same thing goes for the forwards. You need guys who can just insulate your young players and who are actually good and not just like Nick Delorier who are Radko Gudis. Oh boy, so. I don't know how I completely feel about Gudis's brand of hockey, but he's still a guy who can help a team. He's definitely a defensive specialist with some puck moving ability. So I wouldn't hate that. And also, I mean, there's definitely a, there's four definitely, years. Four years, three point four is what Evolving has him projected at. There's definitely a, a group of folks who will say that the Ducks that is the exact player that the Ducks need on their blue line. They need a mean guy. They need a guy who's going to toughen up. The youngsters so sure yeah Radko so I, I think we went through enough of different players uh what's a trade target that you would have for the ducks now that uh jesper well, Bratt has been locked up <clears throat> ross, ross colton is the one that i i actually mm-hmm. am, am convinced that they should that they should target it just makes a lot of sense after that i mean alex to you at least make the call. You at least find out if yeah. it's even a possibility, if he's interested in signing in Anaheim. I mean, he may be interested to play with the, the talent that's on the Ducks. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about Noah Hannafin. We talked about Grizzlick. So outside of that, I mean, there's this, there's the talk of the St. Louis Blues wanting to move on for some of their D-men. I mean, you've got Pareko, Falk, Letty, Scandella. So there's going to yeah. be some... There's going to be Justin Falk de- saved the Ducks from an awful contract. <laughs> there's going to be a decent pick of the litter of just like veteran defensemen that the Ducks can can try to get on lower 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 cost yeah all right so let's get to as i'm trying to fix my camera really quickly uh quick question or so our next question comes from numero uno adamo fantilli fan would you guys change your expectations if adam fantilli becomes the first line center and makes an impact on every game after game 20 as in i would assume that means in terms of our preseason expectation for where the team would finish so basically the question is does your expectation change if Adam Fantilli is a, is a first line center yes. in, in, in his rookie season. Yes. I mean, I kind of doubt that happens just because we haven't really seen like, when's the last time we saw a, a rookie come in and be that good right away. Hey, we're just living in the world of the question. Okay. In the world of the question where he comes in and has like not a McDavid level. I mean, basically a McDavid level rookie season or, or close to it. Then yeah, that does change the, the equation. Of course it yeah. does. Yep. All right. Uh, Plant Rich said, rank the following styles of pizza. New York, Chicago, Detroit, California. What is What's a California? California? Yeah. Okay. What, uh, let, what on earth is California? Just whatever I, California Pizza Kitchen is making? I mean, I guess maybe you could say California is one that has like some greens on it. Maybe a, a no no red sauce on it. Some I'm pretty oil. sure that's not real. It's more, I've had them before. It's good. A California style pizza? No, I'm just, I'm saying that, okay, now I'm going to Google this. Your best guess as to what a California-style pizza is. California-style pizza. Let's see. Uh, It's something, on California-style is a style of pizza that combines New York and Italian thin crust with toppings of California cuisine cooking style. It's (sighs) an invention, its invention is generally attributed to Chef Ed Ledoux and Chez... Basically avocados. Like... I mean, no, it's like a lot of like unique pizzas with green greens on them. I think whatever. That's not real. That that's oh. not that's not expansive enough to be a, a style of okay. pizza. Okay. Okay. Uh, so number let's one not is count New York. It. Number one is New York. Right. There's no debate about that. Yeah. Come on. Like, don't even don't even do You're it. You're the one that sent me a, a Instagram video the other day saying the best pizza in Orange County is a Detroit style pizza. Well, that's just because Orange County pizza might not be the, the deepest. Uh, oh, I found a really good one in Laguna Niguel. Really well, anyway, good New York style slice. I'm just I'm just saying what I prefer. Okay. I think I think New York New York pizza is my favorite style of pizza. I think it's the it's the most enjoyable. I would have Detroit style though number two. Ooh. I because have you changed style? your tune on 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 Detroit style? I'm still a believer. Like the the experience. You, wait, I had, you were never a believer. No, I was. I was well, I was excited to try it. Like I okay. wanted it to be good. Okay. okay. I wanted it to be good and I was I was led astray to put it mildly. <laughs> but I still Ghost kitchen. Like if I ever come like next time I come visit Orange County, I may actually drive down to this pizza place. It's great. Down the street. I, you can come I, over and we'll have a slice together. I am that dedicated to to seeing this through. Yeah. But delicious. So Chicago, Chicago third. Yeah, I mean 
I haven't had that many deep dish pizzas, so that probably doesn't help. But it's it's good when you when it's like a good place. Are we I mean, sure? It's, one, are we sure it's even pizza? I mean, it's more like a casserole, but it's good. I I would probably say the same. New York, Detroit, Chicago. I do. I think deep dish. I have to be in in like a very specific mood. Yeah. For it, because it is just so heavy, and because the like crust is a, like a specific consistency, it it's just it feels so much heavier. And pizza already is heavy, but it feels yeah. even heavier than that. New Haven greater than I mean, I haven't had a New Haven pizza. What it what is a New Haven so, pizza? Supposedly New Haven, Connecticut, I think it is. Has Isn't like that the, is that the clam one? Has some of the best pizzas, but I'm pretty sure New Haven style pizzas. Oh, are it's just, a thin crust. It's basically New York style. It's a style of thin crust, coal fired Neapolitan pizza, common in around New New Haven, Connecticut. I mean, it sounds like a New York pizza. It, I think. It, I it mean, it's more thin. Wait, so wait. Now we're just going off the wall, but why not? Sure. Is New York? Do you consider New York style pizza thin crust? Yes. Okay. I got accused by our good friend Lou of being uh, said that it's not thin crust because the crust is actually puffed up. But the actual dough that the pizza's on is thin. The crust is not necessarily so, thin. New Haven pizza is a thing. I'm just pushing back on some comments, but I just don't think you can it, call it Mike. It, it it's not it's not expansive enough to to be compared to these bigger categories. Yeah. But to your point, yeah, I mean Lou's wrong. Yeah. Like it's just, thin. Like it is thin. It, like I'm also comparing it to, to to pizzas in California, which are just horrendously thick for no reason. So that's a problem. That being said, pizza my heart, uh, NorCal staple is fantastic. So, I mean, Heyo saying it's thin dough, not thin crust. I, I equate mean, the two. Heyo's food takes are to be ignored at this point. <laughs> wow. I, I actually, I actually, <laughs> wow. Just he's in the Lou Sinbin. I'm sorry. It, two minutes on the clock, and we'll find out if it continues. It's a 10-minute misconduct for poor food takes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you, can't, you can't say lobster is bad and expect there to be no consequences on this podcast. I'm fair. sorry. Shaken Wings said, after listening to Adam Fantilli, uh, oh, he already uh, went over that one. Uh, Justin Beck 11 said GMO time. You guys are Pat for beak. You get two phone calls to the draft. One is Pittsburgh talking about the framework of a deal, including the involving the 14th overall pick Grandland and Gibson. The other is Ottawa involving Debrinket and Gibson, but you have to add in this deal, which deal is more appealing and how could you make either work? Okay. What, which pick does Ottawa have for, uh, well, no, the ducks have to add right on the Ottawa so one. Oh, sorry. So, I think I think Pittsburgh is more appealing. I think Pittsburgh's more appealing from the perspective of you can take back Grandland. I just don't what care. Is what, how many years left does Grandland have? Like two, three? Oh, oh, wait, yeah, two. So, two more yeah. years at five. The Ducks can eat that easy. Well, the big thing with, with that trade is it's just it's worth getting out of Gibson's contract. Like, that is the whole value of that deal. And I just don't think Alex Dabrinka is going to want to sign long-term in Anaheim. And so I'm not going to really pay. I'm not going to pay up to go get that player. I just don't believe that. Like you look at the list of teams he wants to go to. They don't have anything in common with, with California. Let's just put it that way. Also Ottawa. I don't, I, I get the framework of the deal, Justin, but Ottawa doesn't really make sense for Gibson. I think. 
Uh, I mean, I could see Ottawa wanting John Gibson because Not, they, I don't know necessarily with their team and what the age of of their team. I mean, is, though. they no. See, I actually disagree with that. They are in their window. They have all of their young players signed to big contracts. That's fair. That's fair. They, they went out and got free agents last summer. They don't have a starting. I mean, they don't have a, a healthy starting goalie at this point. So, I I could see them being in on John Gibson. I just can't see John Gibson being in on Ottawa. Like that, that is a team that I he mean they may be on to. his no trade list. That is a team he will not want to go to. Yeah. So which, I mean I I think the Pittsburgh dumb. deal is appealing. I think you get the 14th overall pick. Who in this draft yeah. someone could fall and you could definitely Some, someone, get someone will fall. Yeah. Yeah. And you could get a really good player at 14. Um. All right. Chakewing said, "What number will Fantilli wear?" wear? And to clarify last week's question, I think two weeks ago, what type of player will the Ducks pick with their first and second round picks? Their first and second round picks. So what type of players? What type of players? I think they're going to go the forward route this year. I think they're going to go forward route with both of them. I think there's a lot of forwards that are going to slip. Not necessarily slip, but there's just so many forwards. And I think that there's going to be a run on D-men in the first round, the middle of the first round. And I think guys that are flawed but intriguing are going to slide down. And I think that the Ducks are going to make that type of pick this this uh, season. And even some guys who aren't necessarily the the prototypical smaller, high production, upsidey guy. Like there's still guys that are going to be interesting in that range. So I predict forward number though, ninety one. Is that what he wore? Well, he wore nineteen, but that's taken. He wore he nineteen. He, he wore nineteen at Michigan. He wore ninety one in uh, youth hockey, in uh, in midget AAA. Ninety one. Let's do it. So, um, and he wore ninety one for Team Canada at the World Championship. So, yeah, he's worn nineteen a lot. He wore nineteen with the Chicago Steel. So, yeah, it's gonna be ninety one. He he ain't getting nineteen. I mean, mm. hell, he probably ain't getting ninety one either. If we're being honest, he's probably yeah. going to get like 62 or some dumb. And they all like said, that. who would win in a wrestling match, Felix or Jake? I mean, it's obviously me. Let's be real. I mean, you you know the moves. You know exactly. the techniques. So exactly. We're, we're going to tip the cap. Malarkey777 said, do the Ducks use all of their second and third round picks or package some of them to move up slash trade for players? I think that they're staying where they are. I really. So they're going to use every single one of those picks? Oh, you're talking. I thought you were talking about just the first round. Uh, no, second. He said second and third round picks. Sorry. Yeah, I, I still think that they just sit on those picks. Okay. I don't like. There, there's going to be so many guys that fall. There's if they want to package those second rounders to get up into the, you know, to get up higher, then then sure maybe. But I don't. I just don't really think they need to do that. To be quite honest, yeah. like like their second round pick is what thirty three, is that what it is? Yes. So it's practically a first rounder anyway. Like, I I just don't I don't think that that's going to be needed. But and also, when's the last time the Ducks did that? I, I guess it's a different you know leadership group now. But I just yeah. don't see that happening. Um, and this, he also said, who is more likely to be traded this offseason, Max Jones or Isaac Lundestrom? Well, why don't you answer that? Um. Oh. <sighs> Well, okay, who's likelier? So this is an, our actual opinions on the players. I think Isaac Lundestrom is probably more likely. I think yeah. he just has more value. I think, yeah, Lundestrom is younger, has more value. I This is going to sound dumb, but I could also see Verbeek valuing Jones' game more yep. for next season. Yep. 
which is dumb. Yep. But all right. Uh, Furyuk said Susan Samueli calls up Pat Verbeek and says the team needs a second pick in the first round. What player are you targeting, and what trade are you offering to the team with a pick in the range to get that player? Let's just go with the four, that trade that we had already come uh, agreed to, the 14th overall pick and yeah. and Granlin for Gibson. Who do you want? Because you've dove into this draft more than I have. At number Who would 14? you want at 14? Huh. I mean, at that range, you can probably get a decent – I'm trying to think. I mean, if Zach Benson is available still at 14 – which I don't think is impossible. You run to the podium. You sprint to the podium. You crack every white uh, monster energy drink and chug it and run up there. If Zach Benson isn't available, man, at that point, it's a very open question. I mean, maybe that's too high for Braden Yeager. I don't know, but definitely a forward. I will say that Riley height. I mean, Riley height's not a bad pick. There's, there's so many choices, but if Zach Benson is available, which I think he will be in that range, you absolutely draft him. Oh, yeah. If Zach Benson's there, then you take him. Samuel Hanzik, uh, yeah. I mean, if, if Hanzik is there and and Benson is not, that's definitely a possibility. Yep. Uh, Silly for Fantilli said the Ducks out there announced that there will be reveals of the Ducks' 30th anniversary season at the draft watch party. What do we think they will be? Reveals of what? There will be reveals. That is that is all they said. I'm gonna I'm say prepared. they 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 reveal uh third they reveal of the 30th anniversary jersey. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll co-sign that. Okay, uh, Olaf said, should Felix be exposed for his bread take? Bread take? Yeah. What bread take? You had a take today in our food and drink uh channel that bread is bad. No, that's that wasn't the take. Bread has no nutritional value. Yeah, I I honestly don't think that bread has has nutritional value, or at least very, very little. And yes, I'm aware that there are uh, breads out there that you can buy, like the, the, what is it, Dave's Killer Bread with better macros and less sugar and, and all that. I'm ink, aware. Ink, but- I go for the inked organic uh, sourdough bread from Costco, zero sugar in it, very delicious sourdough like, bread. I I personally love bread, so this is not me hating bread. This is just me saying that as a health choice, just find find a better bread, man. Well, I also could just not eat bread and, and eat other good. things that are fine. Bread's good. All right, do we do this question? I will leave this up to you from Ferda. CTP expansion time. You each need to start a new podcast with the members of the Late Arrival podcast. What's your Ducks podcast host fantasy draft order? Oh wow. Um, I feel like we're just going to end up offending someone that, that, that is why I'm wondering if we, we bypass this. Let's just say this Lou, I love you. But if this is a two person pod, you're last on this for me, because I'm sorry, Lou, but (laughs) if it's just you and me, I'm going to be doing all the talking because Lou is good for chiming in every once in a while. Yeah. But that's what, that's what makes Lou's contributions. That's that's what makes Lou special and perfect and the comedic timing is great but oh, wow the giants tied it oh my gosh so lou i hope that you appreciate that and understand where i'm coming from and it's with no hate in my heart i yeah i don't want to rank one guy over the other because i think that the way that uh lap functions everybody kind of has their their role everyone has yes. a has their voice and 
I just, I don't want to ruin a good thing. I like how we weren't going to try to offend anyone that I just threw Lou completely under the bus. Should I just say Andy OD? Just someone who's not on the show anymore? Yeah. 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 <laughs> just, yeah. just punt. Lou, you know this all comes from love. I don't, I wouldn't yeah. actually pick you last or I might. Who knows? That was a, that was a bit harsh. That was maybe a little bit you harsh. May, you may need to, to apologize to I'm Lou. sorry. I'm sorry, Lou. All yeah. right. But, but I'm, bold. Just, I'm just getting wows in the. Oh, what a catch. Twitch chat. This team, um, Angels this team have bases me. loaded with two outs. They had man on second and third with no outs. And Do I, now do I get base. an orange Giants hat? The City Connect orange hat? I don't know. And Kershaw got out of it. God damn it. All right. Um, O'Lally17 said, It sounds like Columbus won't trade third overall, but for fun, who says no? Duck sends Zegris or McTavish and the 33rd pick to Columbus for third overall. Uh man i mean this is the ultimate scenario question i don't know i mean i love leo carlson i think leo carlson's probably going to be a better player than zegris or mctavish but at the same time like he it's still an unknown he it is an unknown and so i wouldn't do zegris plus the like i wouldn't do any of those young players plus a pick like to me those young players have massive value and so I would limit it at a player if I could. And if, and if it, and if they ask for more then you definitely hang up, you think about it though, because there's a very good chance. Leo Carlson ends up being better than those guys and ends up being a foundational franchise player. So, or you could take Matt Vamichkov. Like you could do a lot with that third overall pick. You don't draft Will Smith because I don't think he belongs in that conversation, but you can do a lot with that. So you certainly think about it. Yep. Let me ask Uh, you this. Let me, let me twist the question. Okay. Who would you rather trade in that scenario, Trevor Zegers or Mason McTavish? McTavish, because wow, you have a similar player coming in in Fantilli and Carlson, to be honest. Okay. Zegers Zegers is different than both of those players. I think both of those players can fill a similar role to what McTavish is doing, at a and better also. Okay. Do you disagree? Uh, I don't know. I feel like if you ask that question to like Jeff Merrick or something. Oh yeah. They would say uh Trevor Zegers. You want you want um what's the best way to put it? You want a variety of talent on your team. So you I can attack just, in different ways. I also just really think there's a lot left for Trevor Zegers to show. Yeah. I really yep. don't want to be the team that gives that up, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh I now now everything's being also, twisted against me. Heard also, saying, you, wow, Jake trading away future Ducks captain Mason McTavish. You know what I kind of dislike is this narrative that Trevor Zegers is like this immature kid, which he may, he may very well be. Who knows? Like, we don't know him personally. But then this counter assumption that Mason McTavish is like this perfectly mature human who is like a 30-year-old man at age, you know, 19 or whatever. Like, newsflash, we don't know these people. Yep. Stop making assumptions about who they are behind the behind the curtains please yep yep exactly all right uh dajan said for felix where's the capital of california currently Uh, this is the question currently it's in sacramento okay but do you want to guess there's the the but do you want (laughs) to do you want to guess the original uh capital of california i mean i think i saw you put it in discord isn't like monterey yeah yeah, from 1774 to, I believe it was 1852, 1849. 
Here's the chronology. Monterey, 1774-1849. San Jose, 1849-1851. Vallejo. Wow, would not have guessed that. 1852-1853. Benicia, Benicia, 1853-54. Sacramento, 1852-69. And then intermittently... Uh, San Francisco in 1862 and then Sacramento 1869 until now. Nice. But I'm going to say San Francisco is the one true capital of, of California because it was at one point the ca- the capital and you crunch the numbers and I think it, it, it rates out on top. So also is the best baseball team in the state. Sean fight saying California became a state in 1850. Uh. D- <laughs> Correct, but does that mean that it didn't have that it couldn't not have had a capital before? Well, it can't that have it, a state capital it, if it's that, not a that state. It, that it wasn't part of another state. Like I mean, Spain if or it, like like does this just because it wasn't part of the U.S. doesn't mean what, it couldn't have wasn't had a, a capital? U.S. state capital? Wasn't a U.S. state doesn't count. Look, we need to get out of this. You know, <laughs> we we need to broaden our worldview and and open our eyes to possibilities. <laughs> Um, co-champion bastard said rank all players that played at least two games in the NHL last season. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Hold on. What was the rank question? all players that played at least two games in the NHL last season? How is that safe? <laughs> Rigged. Oh, the, I, Rigged I thought you were oops. asking about the question. Or is Brandon Crawford washed? I don't know. Felix is Gabe, just going to start Kapler talking about asking this game. for review. Um, uh, Connor McDavid won. There you go. Matthew Kachuk two. That's it. That's it. Uh, the Stoops puff said, three. What, "What would a Montreal trade for the number two uh, pick actually look like? What could we fleece the Habs for?" Oh, that he is safe. Damn. Why would you take your foot off the bag? Feel it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so here's my issue with this. This dumb. Like, basically, the report was this. The Canadians have called the Ducks yeah. about number two, which is just like, yes, like, correct. Teams talk. Teams, yep. teams, like, and then that kind of got spun into, like, well, the Ducks are shopping number two or the Canadians are moving up. And it's like, none of the, like, just stick to the one fact. We can't really say much more than that. I don't think that there's any way that the Canadians are getting number two without getting one of uh without the ducks getting one of the canadians very best prospects and i also don't think there's any way that the ducks are getting a trade in with montreal which involves cole caulfield or like nick suzuki they just signed cole caulfield to eight your deal nick suzuki was just named their captain there's no way that happens so if you're the ducks in what world is it worth it to you to trade that number two pick to get your adam fantilli to basically get your one of your foundational pieces to trade down to number five and get, you know, pick your Habs best prospect. Like it's just not worth it. So for the, the Canadians, it wouldn't be worth it in the scenario where they actually did what the ducks wanted. And for the ducks, same, same breakdown. Yep. All right. Let's put, let's put through these so we can eventually get to YouTube and Twitch. Uh, Skippy with peanut butter said, should the ducks forgo taking a defenseman or goalie this draft and go all in on forwards is the forward or is the forward depth really not that dire? I don't think that you just go all forwards, but I think you go forward heavy for this draft. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think you, you do- go best. You go best player available, though. You, you go best player available. I think that there are going to be some intriguing late round defensemen or second round defensemen. 
like Tanner Molendyke, if he if he makes it past the first round, um, Lucas Dragasevich, like there's going to be guys who are going to slide who could be interesting. You know, Mikhail Gulyayev, maybe he doesn't go in the first round. Like, I don't know. So maybe the Ducks are able to just snag up a guy. I don't think you should limit yourself just because you already have a bunch of defensemen. But at the same time, there is a very clear need in this Ducks prospect pool for forwards, and that's what you should prioritize. Yep. And so here's the text. It's from our good friend Tony. Okay. Tony from AC. Um, okay. Oh, way wow. back the when. OG. Yeah. Uh, so he said, sorry for the text question, but was just listening to the PDO cast, and Kevin Woodley and Dimitri were talking goalie fits for a new team. Dimitri brought up the Sabres offer sheeting Jeremy Swayman from the Bruins so he, he and Devin Levi could be the 1A, 1B of the future. Obviously, the Sabres are further along than the Ducks, but would you like to see the same move but for the Ducks? A contract with a 4.29 AAV would only cost the Ducks a second-round pick, and Swayman and Dostal could peak, uh, become a 1A, 1B. This is also assuming Gibson has moved. I'm ha- uh, having a hard time not liking this for the Ducks. So that's an offer sheet for Swayman? Yeah. So what's the compensation on that? That was what he said. Second round pick. Oh, oh, sorry. 4.29 AAV would be a second round pick. One second round pick? I'm double checking that for confirmation. I do trust Tony, but still want to just double check it. Well, assuming that that part is true... I think that that would make sense. That is a defensible move. If you are under 4.29, it's a second-round pick. Here is my pushback on that. Are you ready for my pushback? The Bruins would match it? No, it's not even that. Do we trust that Jeremy Swayman is this awesome goalie outside of this Bruins system? I mean, a 4.29 million deal, he doesn't have to be this awesome goalie. I mean, he has to be at least starter level or at least, you know, replacement level. Yeah. And and I don't necessarily tr- like the way that the <coughs> sorry, the way that the Ducks system currently is Cronin is an unknown. Maybe he does bring this this very solid structure, but the Bruins is basically goalie heaven. And it's a low cost, it's a second round pick, but the 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 pick plus the cap hit I would be maybe a little bit reluctant to do that just because I don't if it was a team that wasn't as good as the Bruins, I think I would have an easier time. But I just have a hard time separating the player from the environment. And and we know with goalies that that's, that's a part of it that that is very, very important. Yeah. Yep, I would agree with that. I, I think you do it, though. I think that the acquisition cost is relatively low, especially with the Ducks having so many second-round picks it, this season. It's, it's and a it has cost. to be your second-round pick of next season. So that that's why I think it's a dart to, to go for. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. And Ferdy Duck said, "Who's someone that pays attention to the Bruins? Any goalie looks worse in front of the Ducks than the Bruins." But Swayman is a legit starting goaltender. I um, mean, he didn't start in the playoffs. Why, why started is that? game seven. Uh, Matthew Macias in our now we're going to our Twitter chat or Twitter my Twitter DMs said, "I uh, hope it's not too late for this question. Any information on if the Ducks rebrand this year? Also, what do you think is more realistic this off season out of a Gibson trade to bring a trade cap the announcement this off season?" <laughs> I mean, I don't think a rebrand's happening. I think we would have heard it about it about it by now. The draft caps. Uh, well, hold the, on. What do we what do we define as a rebrand? New home and away jerseys. Are we ruling that out? I think that the fact that the home or the draft hat has the web D on it makes me think yes. They they are going okay. to be have their their home and aways be the same next season. Uh, or are they back. waiting for the start of next season? Maybe. But no, I don't think so. 
I won't rule it out just because I want to hold out hope. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, yeah. What do you think is more realistic this offseason, Gibson trade to bring it trade or captaincy announcement? I say Gibson trade. Uh, I say captaincy announcement. Okay. I don't, yeah. It's going to be hard to trade John Gibson. Like, like there I, are just oh, not a lot of teams with cap space. I think it's happening. Um, I mean, I think it's happening too, but I just think captaincy is like the lowest barrier move. Yeah, fair. Uh, Trevor Zebra said, couple questions. Do you think DeBrinkett has the Ducks on his list of teams that he's willing to be traded to? No. You and I both think that he probably doesn't. And he also said, do you think Dostal can be the goalie of the future? Uh, do you think he can become better than Gibson? Uh, he's arguably already better than Gibson. So I, I think he means Gibson at his like peak. Better than Gibson at his peak? Yeah. Why not? You know, okay. I, I mean, don't think he can. G- but Gibson at his peak was a goalie that was thriving with a lot of shots and a bad team. We actually have never seen Gibson be a great goalie on a on a good team. And that's Fair. not his fault. But I think that I think that Dostal can be a great goalie on a bad team because he's already shown that he that he's he's already done that to a degree. And I have faith that he can do that on a good team too. So yes. Okay, now we're going to go to our YouTube chat and our Twitch chat. For those of you listening to this podcast on your favorite podcast services, uh, we do a live stream of the show. Typically, it's on Monday, but we kind of move it around. Keep an eye on our Twitter uh, accounts. Next week, actually, we will be doing it post-draft. But we go live uh, whenever we say we do, and you can find us at twitch.tv slash crash spawn, where if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days, but you can be just like LewisX209, who resubbed, uh, and he has been subscribed to us for 57 months, and, or like Chicken Taco Salad, who did it uh, and said, we want Jack Copaca. So you can guess who that is, Felix. Um Or if you want to follow us on YouTube, go to youtube.com slash crash spawned. If you want to support us, you can like our channel there or subscribe to the channel there. Hit the notification bell to get notified when we go live. Like the videos, uh, comment, everything like that. Really help us out with the YouTube algorithm. It really helps more than you can imagine. Um, All right. Ray Gonzalez in our YouTube chat said, just a funny trade proposal. Would you trade first overall for McDavid? Uh, not for this Ducks team. Yeah, I think it depends on the team. But if, but just in the abstract, I mean, you can't really answer that in the abstract, but I would still take Bedard. Yeah, I, I think it's just, it depends on your team. But yeah, you're getting him a younger, yeah, like, cheaper. sure, he may not necessarily become McDavid, but you're taking that risk, basically. Um, all right. Uh, Fat Geralt said, question, uh, two-parter. One, what is an acceptable Gibson trade, in your opinion? Honestly, my bar is very low. Okay. I basically a good Gibson trade is where you don't have to retain any salary. I think wh- whichever trade has the least financial burden coming back to you is is a win for this team. The the flexibility is the most important part in your mind. Yes. I okay. I really truly think that the only real true argument for trading John Gibson is the financial aspect. Okay. And if other teams only give low ball offers, would you rather keep Gibson? No, because I really think getting out of the contract is, is important for this team moving forward. Okay. okay. Uh, Peter Ravage on our YouTube chat said, what would Lafreniere cost us? I would give him a chance, but I don't think the Rangers would trade him. I think it would cost that, that second round pick, the Ducks second round pick. Plus the 30, 33rd overall? The, the 33rd pick. I think you do that also. 
I think you almost, if, if there's a way to wait to see how the draft is shaking out, you maybe wait. But I would really think about that because as uh, as Mitch Brown backed me up on last week, Lafreniere still has a potential. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think that that would be a, a really good trade. I mean, it depends on what the Rangers are looking at. I don't think Peter Laviolette's necessarily going to unlock him. So I think he's, he's not he's much- not unlocking anyone. No. Who has uh, he ever unlocked? Yeah. Good point. Um, all right. And then, uh, hardcore luchador said question. I had a great conversation tonight about the fate of Silverberg. How do you think this will play out and how do you want it to play out? I think there's maybe been some conversation about him maybe getting bought out. Yeah. I feel like, because we've talked about that here and there. This is one of those questions that I feel like is getting more play than it actually merits. Yeah. The, the, there's one year left on his contract. Yeah. The Ducks have a ton of cap space. What is the motivation to do anything there other than just ride it out? Yeah, I, I think you ride it out, and then it sounds like he's going to end up going to going back to Sweden and playing for his yeah, hometown team. And good for him. Like yeah. honestly, good for him if he can just finish it out, be healthy. I mean, that- the only reason why you would buy him out is if you want to open up, free up that roster spot. Yeah, I think that you. I mean, I. I this is maybe getting into the weeds, but like depending on his health status, like if he's not able to play or something like that. But then at that point, I don't know, even know if you just really go need LTAR. To go, yeah, you don't even need to go the, the buyout route. So I just think the buyout option is really kind of like a glass case that you don't you don't. They're really not break. up. They're not up against the cap where it makes sense to do that. And to also free, like to one roster spot. You know, like is that really going to make a difference? So yeah. I think that you. Unless you really feel like it's going to make a big difference, you you just don't buy them out. You just write yep. it out. I, I would agree with that. Um, so I think that's actually going to do it for the questions in the Twitch chat and the YouTube chat. Unless you anyone has something else, please throw them in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, Hardcore Luchador said, yeah, that was the conversation uh, about buying him or with buying him out. So um, anything else you want to get off your chest? The floor um, is yours, sir. Once again, Padres relief pitching betraying them in the late innings, so that's great to see. Oh, we've got a last question here. Yep. If Zegris, Drysdale, McTavish, and the second overall pick formed a band, what kind of band would they be and who would play what instrument? I mean, Drysdale's playing guitar. I mean, we have that. Um, I feel like Zegris is going to want to be vocals. Either that or drums. Huh. Yeah, the hand-eye, the, yeah. the, the rhythm. McTavish, yeah. bass? I guess just just a steady Eddie. And what does Fantilli do? I don't know. Is Fantilli's not in this question? I mean, second overall pick. Oh, oh yeah. So oh. Fantilli. Um, what's a very Italian instrument to play? Uh, Actually, no. I, I'm scrapping all this. McTavish plays drums. Fantilli okay. plays uh, plays bass, and Zegers plays uh, the saxophone. <laughs> Okay. That is a very Zegris thing to do to have this flashy uh, saxophone that really takes over the song. Okay. You just call them immature, but is go it? for it. Is go it? For it. Oh, Mike, Michael B is where my brain was going of having Fantilli play an accordion, finding an Italian <laughs> instrument. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that but, a lot. Yeah. Who sings, though, out of that group? I honestly feel like Zegris is going to want to. I think Zegris will. 
If yeah. Drysdale, if Drysdale is singing, then it's gonna be a country song, and I don't want that. Wow, just just throwing an entire genre under the under the bus. I mean, I don't like country music. You know, it has its place. Nope, I don't hate it. Nope, no place, no place at all. Wow, just broad brush something yep. we avoid on this show. Do we? We avoid it. Yeah, we do. You're right. I mean, uh, depends on what we're talking about, but generally we avoid it. Yeah, I feel like whenever you talk about non-hockey stuff, there's a whole lot of broad brushing. You know, I just want to, I want to pick this bone real quick. Uh, why, why are we hating? Why are folks hating on canned coffee? Like, what is this? What is this nonsense? What do you mean? So you know how you can buy coffee? That's no, I know what canned coffee is. Where is the hate coming from? It's coming possibly from members of our Discord. <laughs> oh, okay. And I just, and 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 this actually feeds <clears throat> into a broader discussion, which is there was also there. I've also seen a lot of Starbucks hate as of late, and I consider myself possibly a food elitist in some ways, but coffee elitism is just a weird. It's a weird corner of elitism to me, like. No one is saying that Starbucks is the best coffee in the world, but first off, it's everywhere. You basically can't avoid it. If you want coffee on the go conveniently, it's like it's like hating on a, it's like hating on a McDonald's. Like it has its place and it's not that bad. And then as far as canned coffee, it's the same thing. Like it's convenient. Is it the like is it a freaking pour over coffee of you know, like the shade grown, cruelty free, organic, whatever? No, of course not. But it has its place and coffee to me at the end of the day is a tool it is a tool that i use to get myself more sharp more energized <laughs> are you a, your standard nhl gm talk or coach talking about analytics right now no like i love a good coffee i can appreciate a good coffee <laughs> but at the same time like i'm not gonna poo poo and bash and demonize and vilify an entire an entire type or brand or you know, way of drinking coffee just because it's not a, you know, pour over shade grown, cruelty free, vegan, whatever. Like it just doesn't matter to me. And I feel like folks should get on board with that. There we go. Okay. I mean, I'm fine with it. Fine with canned coffee. No issues there. Don't drink it that much though. (laughs) Um, uh, let's see. Karen troop said question. Why does the NHL penalize teams for puck shot over the glass? And most of the time it is an accident. Um, it was a rule that came into play because prior to the 0506 lock 0506 lockout, teams would just shoot it over the glass to be able to get the line change. Do we do we know that? Was that actually a thing? Yes, that was. That's what caused this to become a rule. I think that, it was just an arbitrary. Hey, we can this can add. Uh, no, power that plays. was that was the genesis of it. I mean, that, here's the thing. Uh, pucks flying into the crowd is dangerous. And if nothing else, we just should try to minimize pucks flying to the ground. I mean, that's not why it's a rule, but it basically was to minimize teams trying in their defensive zone to get a line change um, without essentially if you ice the puck or anything like that, you can't make your line change. So why flip it over the glass? Similar situation. Can you do that? And so instead of I guess, I mean, the simpler thing would just be guys get stuck on the ice. You can't make a change. That's probably a much more logical thing to do in that situation they decided to uh, make it a penalty. And so it's not necessarily about whether it's intentional or not because it never is anymore. Um, but that's just the rule, how the rule is. 
Um, Ray Gonzalez said, uh, Jake, are you going to the draft party at the pond? Uh, no, I am not. Uh, it's a little tough with a, an almost 11 month old at home. So getting home, spending some time with him is, is, uh, more important than being at the pond for that for me. So wow. what are your priorities? I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fat Geralt said, Felix, what are your thoughts on canned Starbucks coffee? I've actually never had it. Really? Full disclosure, I've never had canned uh, on Starbucks Saturday coffee. after the wedding on my drive home. I was very tired and I got the canned espresso and cream. Okay, it was good, wasn't no issues with it. It was fine, nobody died, I'm sure. Like, you know, the world didn't stop turning. No, La- last one left is calling me out as a fake fan for not going. Fake fan, oh, yeah. I think your priorities are, are properly aligned. Yeah, I, I clearly can tell that I'm, he's joking about it. Um, Lou is saying he'd never pay for canned coffee, just like you won't ever pay for a sandwich. And there is the smear campaign. There is the smear campaign. And there it is. Ugh, this Angels game is frustrating. The, but. the Giants have bases loaded with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. This is this is a lot. Okay. Uh, uh, anything else that you want to get off your chest? Well... <coughs> Jeez. Uh, Rooch asked me, Starbucks, Pete's, Phil's, or Tim's for coffee or f- coffee preference? Oh, that's right. Sorry, I missed that. I've had all of those. I've, I have not had Tim's. I've had the other three. I'm not the biggest fan of Tim Hortons. Oh, it's Tim Hortons. That's what it is. Got I'm it. not going to lie. I'm not the biggest fan of Tim Hortons. It's it's fine. It's not amazing. Pete's is, Pete's is pretty good. Pete's is pretty good. Pete's is probably my favorite out of that group. Phil's is too expensive. Phil's is also, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. Like I've had, I've had their cold brew. I'm not the, you know, I don't really try that many different types because I just love cold brew. Yeah. Same. And I'm not a big fan of like pour over coffees and that's kind of all they do. I like espresso drinks more. Yeah. Like I, I enjoy a good cold brew and, uh, you know, like a medium cold brew at Phil's is like six bucks. It's just it's just not happening. Yeah. So, unfortunately, to the chagrin of many, Starbucks uh, wins this race. I would have Pete's one, Starbucks two, Phil's three. I do really like uh, Pete's cold brew, but yeah. I actually like Starbucks cold brew, and that's purely what I'm basing this off of. Their nitro so. cold brew is is top tier, much to the chagrin of some people. <laughs> I love that you've joined me on this. <laughs> I um, have. Yeah, Starbucks' nitro cold brew is delicious. Yeah. Like, it Some is fantastic. Some cold foam on it, even. And and yet, like, there are reasons to dislike... Uh, did Lou just spoil the game for me? Oh, well. <laughs> that's that's fun. Yeah. Uh, but there are reasons to dislike Starbucks that have nothing to do with coffee, and you can have that take, but but the coffee is fine. Let's not poo-poo needlessly. Uh, Fat Geralt, and we can end it with this, said, Will the podcast be next Wednesday? Yes. Podcast will be after the draft next Wednesday. We'll react to the first round and everything that happens. And how, hopefully, the, hopefully there will be more. Th- Good Lord. Hopefully there will be more than just the Ducks taking the drafting at second overall. Hopefully there will be some trades. Lou, Lou is like crying out of, of joy like 30 seconds ago, and I've yet to see anything happen on my screen. So that's amazing. There it is. Um, let's see here. Wow. I'm trying. Oh, he. Is that a walk-off walk? Is that how that works? Yes. Wow. Walk-off walk. These these giants, 
Two two in a row against the Padres. Can, can we? You want to wrap this thing up? Wow! Just rushing me out the door. Yep. Sweeping me under the rug like a ball of dust. Yep. Okay. Uh, we are getting out of here. If you enjoyed the show, if you want to help us keep this thing going, we definitely urge you to join us post draft the next week. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, actually, can we do what? T- what time is the draft start? Like four or five, something like that. And you won't be able to go live at that time. Uh, what is it next Wednesday? I'll be yeah. home by five. Uh, maybe maybe we'll do something live. Um, okay. Who who knows? But anyway, join us next week. Draft extravaganza. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and then we've got free agency after that. So good times are coming here for the the CTP podcast. Uh, yeah. If you want to help us, it starts at four p.m. So I will be driving home probably during the pick. So that's fun. Maybe, maybe I'll uh. Maybe I'll set up some kind of stream, and uh, you can hop in. Okay. Maybe we'll do that. Okay. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure we'll do it something. out. We'll figure it out. Uh, but if you want to support us, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. Uh, check us out on Spotify. Leave us a rating there. Subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Uh, you can also uh, f- follow us on... Well, you can subscribe to us on Twitch. So every week we're live. Uh, that is going to vary. So follow us on Twitter if you want to know when that's going on. Uh, at Crash the Pond on Twitter, and also check out our Patreon page. Uh, this is probably the best ways that you can support us. Uh, for one dollar a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord. And I would say that this time of year, especially with all the rumors and trades and everything that's going to happen over the next two weeks, it's a great place to just stay uh, really locked in on what's going on and also be able to. Just kind of join a really fun community, my favorite community, and you also get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. And then for five bucks a month, uh, you get access to two bonus podcasts every month. All of that is going to be at patreon.com slash crash the pond. And outside of that, just follow us on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter at reindeergames91. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. And on that note, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.